Welcome, everyone. We are so glad that you have joined us for tonight's discussion. Um, these last few months have been hard. They've been hard for us as grown-ups. For sure, they've been hard for our children. And oftentimes, when we are in seasons of change and transition, it has the potential to cause some really big feelings, perhaps some anxiety, and perhaps even some depressive symptoms, both in ourselves and in our children. And well, my, the Fairfax Kids team thought it would be helpful to talk to a professional and to get some helpful tips for walking through these emotional and social struggles during this season. So I have with me tonight a new friend. Her name is Willow Smith. Willow, say hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Willow, thank you so much for being a part of our conversation. Why don't we start off by having you share a little bit about yourself? Help us get to know you better. Sure. Well, thanks for having me tonight, and I'm very excited to talk with everyone and answer some questions and be helpful. I have my own counseling practice out in Fairfax, Willow Rose Counseling. I work with children, teens, and a lot of families that are struggling with stress, trauma, all kinds of these big life stressors, um, lots of those issues. Basically, a little bit about me. I'm a huge outdoorsy person. I love going on runs, going on long walks, and one of my favorite things to do is observe and collect wildflowers and look at nature. Mm. I'm a big animal lover, and I think one of the biggest things that helps me with my sessions with kids and teens is some of my creative and imaginative energy. So. I have a hobby, I watercolor, and I have my own greeting card um, printing line. So I make little animals and cute nature prints and stuff like that. So uh, last thing I guess is I love to bake and cook too. I know you do too. <laughs> That's, yes, I love to bake and cook also. And you, have, you told me you have a store on Etsy. I'm going to have to check out your Etsy store to see your watercolors. How cool is that? <laughs> so fun. So, well, it's so great to have you here. Um, we are going to just dive right into our discussion. But first, I wanted to communicate that towards the end of our time tonight, we're going to have a question and answer session. So for everyone listening, um, while you guys are just kind of listening to our discussion, if you have a question that you'd like to ask, please feel free to use our question and answer button at the bottom of your screen, or you can use our chat feature. Either one works. And Willow, let's just start. Willow, share with us um, what anxiety and depressive symptoms might look like in children and teens. Sure. So it's very normal for children to feel anxious or sad from time to time. But for some children, especially in times of change, anxiety and some of these depressive symptoms can affect their thoughts, behavior, and every day, which can then affect school, being at home, social situations with friends. So I'll kind of go through some of the symptoms that you might see in your kids, whether they're a teen or, you know, a little one. <laughs> So a lot of them might experience worrying. They're going to be worrying about a lot of things, difficulty concentrating, and a lot of negative thought rumination. So bad thoughts. They might not be eating or sleeping properly. And this can also include waking up with a lot of bad dreams and nightmares. They might be feeling tense or fidgety. Some of them might be clingy, uh, tearfulness. I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed in my younger kids coming to the practice is they're going to be very irritable. I think a lot of them might be tantruming more than usual, being defiant or acting out. And usually this is a symptom of depression or anxiety. Sometimes a lot of uncontrollable anger outbursts as well. I think the last thing for some of these kids is those physical symptoms to be aware of. That can include those headaches, tummy aches, again, lots of worrying about their physical symptoms, and that can be a good indicator that they're feeling anxious or depressed. So now okay, we'll kind helpful, of move. Helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the little ones. I'll kind of move into the teens now. So of course, your teenager or adolescent, they're going to have some moodiness anyways and stuff going on there but they're gonna have a lot of those similar things I kind of mentioned, except some more emotional changes. 
So for them, they might be feeling keyed up and on edge. Again, that irritability, restlessness, unexplained moodiness, some apprehensions and uneasiness around performing. So again, they might be a bit nervous. Everyone is, but more so with exam taking or athletic competitions. They might experience an increase in heartbeat or excessive sweating. And this is just an example of how the brain responds to anxious feelings physically in the body. I think one of the biggest issues with depression in teens is that you might notice in your team they'll be isolating, avoiding their favorite activities. Uh, that's a big one. So again, for just as much as I did with the kids, the biggest one in teens that I've noticed coming into the practice is fatigue, a loss of motivation and enjoyment in their activities, and excessive boredom and fatigue. Their physical symptoms that might come up also might be headaches, migraines, and lack of appetite, or eating too much, some of those starchy, sugary foods. So with teens, just being aware of that boredom and fatigue and kind of the, the isolating behavior, that's a big one. Yeah. Oh, very helpful, Willow, thank you. So tonight, um, we are focusing on ways that we as parents can walk through these social and emotional struggles that our children may be experiencing. Now, many of you already know this, but um, I am a mom of two children. I have Nathan, who's 16 years old, and Drew, who is 12. And let's be honest here, I make my fair share of mistakes as a parent. Trust me, I am figuring things out just like all of you guys out there. But one thing that is really important to me that I think I do pretty well at, and one thing that I like work hard at, um, is having open lines of communication with my boys. Now, I am sure you agree that this is so important, but during seasons of change and transition, it's even more imperative. Give us some practical tips to foster open communication with our children. Sure, and thanks for sharing that about your two kids. All right, so I'll give you guys some, maybe three tips here that will be helpful in working with this piece. I love this one. I use this in my sessions, actually. You want to be able to identify your child or teen's highs and lows. The best way to do this is to pick a calm, undistracted time and gently ask how they're feeling and make sure to respond to their outbursts or moodiness in a calm, consistent, and comforting way. You can basically do this by saying something as easy as, what's your high of the day? which is the best thing that happened, and what's your low of the day, which is the not so good thing that happened or the worst thing. I think this is one of my favorite little check-in moments that you can do with your kid or teen because it takes them out of the neutral zone. So often we might be saying, I'm fine, whatever, I'm bored, but we're really not able to identify those low feelings. So we don't get into the sadness or the hurt or frustration and anger. So we're able to then process that with our child. Then on the other side, we're able to check in on that high, you know, give them a sense of hopefulness and gratefulness. What's exciting? What's joyful? What was good about your day? And I think that hopefulness is something that we forget so often. So again, to reiterate, what's the high and what's the low? What's the good stuff and what's the not so good stuff? And this, this is always a nice little skill for them. All right, so tip number two, I think this is a really good one, be compassionate. You wanna be able to empathize with their frustrations. I think one of the easiest things a parent can do to have a compassionate conversation with their child or teen is to give compassion and empathy. One other tip for teens with this piece is that older kids may feel as if they're missing important school or social activities, even social media, phone privileges, video game, you know, all those good activities. But I think it's important to validate your teen's feelings and listen without trying to convince them that they'll be fine or reminding them that others have it worse. So some of that true empathy and validation, really validating them. I think also sharing your own disappointments and frustrations will put you on the same team as a parent. So being able to be vulnerable with your teen as well. 
I, you know, seems simple, but sometimes um, being compassionate, it's hard. Uh, you know, when you can express unconditional love, when you can express just um, non-judgment, right? That you can communicate the fact that you're not judging your child. Um, it can be a huge win for your relationship. I know there have been um, times with my oldest son, Nathan, um, where he is like confided in me. And my first reaction in my head was like, are you kidding me? Or like, I'm thinking in my head, are you really stupid? <laughs> Seriously. But praise God, praise God, those words didn't come out of my mouth. They were just in my head, like my first reaction. Um, thankfully, what came out of my mouth was words of understanding and words of empathy. And like, I really think that that has paved the way for me to continue to share his feelings and share situations with me. And there's times when Willow, I, I even like kind of tell myself, don't react, don't react, don't react, <laughs> because I want him to keep talking. It's so important. So this is good, really good. Give us another tip, Willow. Give us another mm -hmm. tip. Thanks for sharing that. You are a model parent. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I'm a hot mess most of the time, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. So my tip number three, and I think this is my favorite one, is use abstract concepts. So if your child or teen struggles to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, use a different route than speech. And I think this is so great because oftentimes with adolescents, right, we know they work better with abstract concepts. So this could be a simple example as draw a picture of your day for me or show me the amount of sadness, anger, or happiness you have on this thermometer. You could ask your teen to play a song about how they're feeling. They don't have to even talk to you. Just play a song on what your mood is, right? I think, again, another great example, playing catch with your teen, going on a walk, being able to not have to directly look at mom or dad in the face and just kind of talk to them side by side as you're doing something fun. And then giving them a reward, make it exciting. Hey, if we have a check-in every day or if we can talk, let's go do this fun thing afterwards. So I think, again, using abstract concepts can include movement, art, creativity, rewards, music, all that good stuff. That's one of my favorites. Such good advice, Willow. Thank you. You know, I um, have been taking Drew to the pool and we've been playing football. Like I'm atrocious throwing the football. He's really good. But he's been talking to me so much more. And I bet that's why. It's because he's not having to look at me in the eye and we're doing something active and, and we're just having these really great conversations. That kind of gives me words for why that was working. <laughs> mm -hmm. So well Willow. Children and teens, we know that they often take their cues from us as grown-ups. What's, you know, there's an old saying, right? More is caught than taught. <laughs> and so, for instance, if a parent is verbally expressing how overwhelmed they are in front of their child, or their child is likely to kind of experience those same feelings of being overwhelmed. And so all this to say, it's really imperative that we, as grown-ups, that we check our attitudes and we evaluate our own stressors and we evaluate mm -hmm. our own anxieties because they can easily rub off on our children. Share with us some ways that we can get better at being more self-aware. This is such a great tool to be aware of is your sense of autonomy and yourself as an individual. And I think it's important to be aware of your own stressors and conflict within the household. So for those times when you catch yourself feeling very anxious or stressed out or particularly negative, Try to avoid talking about your concerns with an earshot of children. I think that's a big one. If you're feeling overwhelmed, just step away and take a break. This could mean taking a shower, going outside, or even going to another room and just taking a few deep breaths. I think, again, when we're all confined under one roof with COVID, you know, we're all stressed out. We're really not getting enough alone time and personal time. So you want to be able to make space for yourself as much as you're putting time and energy into work and the family and the relationship and checking in on how, how your kid's body's doing and what their thoughts and behaviors are. You need to be doing the same for your own. So even if it's 10 minutes in the morning to just relax and look out the window with your tea or your espresso, 
winding down every night with a bubble bath and reading a chapter of a book. Uh, I probably have on my caseload a ton of mothers right now that I've given them homework to go to their nearby grocery store or Trader Joe's and buy themselves flowers weekly or when they're doing their weekly grocery shopping to put in a delicious snack for themselves while they're at it. I think so often we ignore your body and your own, you know, needs. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, when my children are in times of stress, I tend to naturally play the role of a cheerleader. Part of it is because it's kind of like my personality. Um, but also it also like part of it is because I really do believe that it's so important to look for God at work and to look for what's going well, even in the midst of hard times. Talk with us about the power of focusing on the positive. This is probably one of my favorite things to do, focusing on the positive. <laughs> Um, but you're exactly right. I love your, your role as a cheerleader, kind of being peppy and bubbly. And, you know, I think as much as we fake it, sometimes I think we got to, you know, I think it's very important. So studies show that thinking positively and visualizing positive imagery can impact your physical and mental health. Studies have also found that laughter or just keeping a smile on your face can be helpful. Positive self-talk, gratefulness journals, all of these things can help lower stress, anxiety, and depressive symptoms. They can also improve your coping mechanisms just day to day, kind of de-stressing, improving your quality of life and your daily mood, and your overall self-esteem and confidence, which I think is huge. I think it's also important to be open to humor in all situations, especially the difficult ones, and give yourself permission to laugh. I also have a few tips here later for how to focus on some of those positive concepts, not just for yourself, but in working with kids and teens. The last thing I'm going to say on, you know, positivity and why this is important is that it can really and truly decrease your risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer, infection. It gives you faster recovery from illness and injury, fewer colds. I'm sure that probably is going to impact us with COVID maybe, <laughs> lower rates of depression and an overall longer lifespan. So this is very important. There's a lot of benefits to, you know, visualizing the positive and putting the effort and making it a priority in your life. Well, give us some practical ways that we can help our children and teens do just that, focus on the positive, because that all sounds awesome to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many benefits. Give us some practical tips. Okay, great. So I have four tips for you guys today on this positive concept. The first one is to help your children identify what they are grateful for each day, which then can help them be more optimistic instead of only focusing on what they don't have at this time. Have your child write or say five things they are grateful for nightly. This can be helpful on particularly difficult days. I think sometimes, you know, it's good to talk about what's going on for them or some of their struggles at night, but sometimes I think that kind of bleeds into the night with nightmares and negative thoughts. So I love focusing the end of the day on what you're grateful for. I think tip number two is to make it important to set achievable goals and celebrate their completion within the family. So much has been stripped from our everyday lives. Having something to look forward to can help kids stay motivated. So you wanna be able to set up small rewards like cooking a dessert with mom, playing catch or watching a favorite movie with dad. This can help your child tackle unpleasant math assignments or other chores that they might have to do if they can look forward to, hey, I get this at the end. My hard work pays off. It gives them, them some purpose, which I think is important. And again, you can get your whole family in on it. If you all set some goals and plan breaks together, you'll see that your kids will see that you're more of a team, a sense of cohesiveness. Tip number three, I also love this one a lot. You wanna start every day on a positive note. And I also know I just said start, uh, ended on a positive note, but we're gonna do both here. So start every day on a positive note. You wanna create a ritual with your kids in which you start off each day with something uplifting and positive. 
You can have your kids say one thing at breakfast or when they wake up in the morning, such as a positive affirmation. I'm excited for the day or the sun is shining. It's going to be a good day. You can have them listen to a happy and positive song in the morning. And I think it's also helpful for teens as they identify more with, again, these abstract concepts, such as the artwork, music, or even movement, giving them a fun thing to do. Hey, do five jumping jacks, four deep breaths, three run up and down the stairs, anything to get their blood going and, and have some fun in these mornings, make it positive. All right, and tip number four, make fun a priority. Play is fun and can trigger the release of endorphins, the body's natural feel-good chemicals. Endorphins promote an overall sense of well-being and can temporarily relieve pain. We always make work, finances, other things a priority, but why not the fun stuff and the concept of play? You want to make sure that you, that's an important one, you, but also your kids are having fun. So whether it's doing something you love, participating in a family game night, or even going on a hike together, you wanna to always make fun a priority in your life. Because when we have that fun in play, we're gonna have more positive emotions, positive feelings. And so often we're always focusing on that negative stuff or it comes in naturally. So we wanna put effort into the fun. Willow, you are talking my mm -hmm. language. I am all about having fun and being spontaneous, that's awesome. So one of the topics that we touched on last Wednesday in our webinar was the importance of establishing structure and routine this fall. So let's dive a bit deeper into that topic tonight. Um, talk with us about the importance of structure and routine. Why is it important? And give us some ways to try to establish that in our home this season. Sure. This is a huge topic and I think probably one of the most important things out of everything we're gonna talk about today. I think out of all the kids, teens, families that have come to me for sessions all summer, this is the number one thing we've kind of honed in on every session. It's so important. So it's important to establish and keep structure and routine for your children and teens. This can include, again, right movement and sports, school and assignments, breaks, extracurricular and creative outlets. So whenever possible, try to make sure your kids still have some structure. For example, at least getting up, eating, going to bed all around the same time every day. Consistency and structure are calming during times of stress. Kids, especially younger ones and littles who are you know, usually anxious at this time, can benefit from knowing what's going to happen and when. It gives them a sense of reassurance. The schedule can mimic a school day or a camp schedule. Changing activities at predictable intervals and alternating periods of study and play is also important. So make sure you incorporate right that fun, that play into the schedule and routine too. The majority of my child and teen clients struggle with fatigue, boredom and lack of structure during the day. This can then impact their sleep and their eating schedule, their family and their social relationships, and overall their positive mood and their physical and mental health in a huge, huge way. So I think this is so, so vital to be on top of as a parent and can truly help many of these problems that we're talking about today. All right, so I have Three tips for you guys on how to make sure you keep this structure going with your children and teens. Number one is again, schedule. It may help to print out a schedule and go over it as a family each morning for young children or as needed with your teens. Setting a timer will help kids know when activities are about to begin or end. It makes it exciting too. Having regular reminders will help head off meltdowns when it's time to transition from one thing to the next. And setting up consequences and rewards is also very effective in order to keep the daily and evening routine effective and not cease after one week, right? We want to keep this going. So adding in things, taking off things, seeing what works better, because we all have different needs for our children and they have their own individual needs. I think if you have a child suffering and struggling with ADHD, I have some tips later on if anyone asks questions about that on what to do with that schedule and the rewards and consequences that well, that might be a little bit different. Number two is you wanna give tasks to your children. You want to, well, even better, assign kids tasks 
like picking the restaurant you're going to order from this week. This is going to help them feel that they're part of the plan and making a valuable contribution to the family. Not as many tasks for teens, though. You want to be able to let your teen set their own schedule. While a sense of structure is still necessary for teenagers, treating them like a little kid will only fuel rebellion sometimes. And I think this is when a lot of teens and families come in for family therapy is when this rebellion and this push and pull, um, that pressure is being put on too much with the teen. So you want to give your teen choices whenever possible and let them know you're available to help keep them on track and plan breaks if they need it. Giving your teenagers autonomy also means holding them responsible for certain chores, such as helping with cooking and cleaning. So letting them know your expectations, but also giving them some freedom. And I understand that's a fine line. <laughs> All right. I know this is a lot. So tip number three, you want to be able to incorporate movement and creativity. These are two of my favorite things I, I think that all of these kids need to be doing. Our goal is to keep structure and routine while also battling, again, fatigue, boredom, and stress, which keeps coming up. One of the best things for children um, to do is exercise and being imaginative throughout their day. So to ensure exercise, give them options between sports. If baseball or softball season's canceled this year, make sure that they're playing catch at least 30 minutes a day. If the pool is closed this year, make sure that your kids have an opportunity to have water balloon fights or jump through puddles after it rains in the summer. Family exercise can also be helpful. So whether it's nightly walks to catch fireflies, family bike rides, picnics outside with new scenery, we wanna be stimulating them. Creativity can be focused around your child's strengths as well. So if you know they love art, now is a good time to invest in some good and new pastels, clay, all that sensory stuff is so helpful, twistable crayons, baking classes with mom, such as a new um, recipe to make together weekly for the family, completing a science experiment. This can be the simplest thing as giving them a glass jar, letting them go outside and filling it with 15 pieces of nature. See what they come back with. You might learn a little bit from them as well. So be creative with your own activities. You can throw at them too for this structure. Nice, awesome. You know, I just, one of the things that I love um, that you said is to give kids some ownership and to set their own schedule or to make certain choices. And, you know, there's so many things that are out of our child's control right now. So if we can allow them to have some control, like we can allow them to make choices, um, that's just, it's huge. It goes a long way. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so let's talk now about a personal problem of mine for a bit. Okay. We're going to talk okay. about personal problems. <laughs> so Drew is my youngest, right? And He's, he's the one that's 12, and when he is in a room, he's kind of like the life of the party. So he's extroverted, he needs people, he's a little like his mama. <laughs> and, you know, this summer has been rough for him, and it's kind mm -hmm. of been rough for me too, because, you know, he has had limited socialization. Um, it doesn't seem to be getting any easier either with the fall coming. He won't have organized sports. So for Drew, um, who just loves socialization, also struggles with ADHD, um, he plays tackle football. And so football has always been a really good outlet for him, like not only for socialization, but then just like that physical outlet for Drew. And so, you know, because it's a contact sport, I don't think we're going to have football this season. And so he is not going to actually have the same kind of peer interactions that he's been having. And so I think that this is going to be a problem. <laughs> um, help this mama out. What do I do with Drew who craves this like socialization, who craves this activity? What do I do with my kid? <laughs> sure. Well, I also want to commend you on having him in football in the first place. I think that's great and acknowledging <laughs> that he is a social being and he yeah, likes all yeah. that stuff. He sounds like a pretty cool kid, but Willow, it's, it's so been funny. a struggle. My husband, he's the one that's concerned about safety. He's like, does he have his helmet on? Does he have it strapped good? And I'm like, come on, throw it for mama. <laughs> so it's very funny. We play very different roles in football. So. That's so funny. <laughs> all right. Well, Marcy, I am sure you are not alone in this problem. 
It's very important to be aware of our children's need for socialization. And again, some of the benefits. Children are naturally egocentric, thinking of themselves as the center of their world. And this is innate in human beings since birth. It takes time to teach children to think of others as well as themselves. And for kids to operate successfully in society, they must learn to interact with others in a healthy and positive and productive manner. This can be done with sports and all kinds of other good stuff. Therefore, it is crucial that social interaction continues, not only to operate well in society and the workforce, but to expend energy, have fun, stay imaginative, and continue to develop and learn from relationships with friends and family. I'm going to give you guys three more tips on how to help Marcy with Drew and how to help on this social piece. The first one is, unfortunately, during this time, let kids use social media within reason. Let them Skype or FaceTime to stay connected to peers or family if they can't see them in person. Communication can help kids feel less alone and mitigate some of the stress that comes from being away from friends. Again, it's also important to be aware of pre-discussed consequences if social media or phone usage is broken. And I think this is where a lot of those family sessions can come in or the therapist can help out if the teen and the parent are disagreeing on privileges with screen time. Sure. The other and piece this, of is, this, this is so hard. No, I was going to say, this is so hard. Like, it's hard for oh me gosh. to navigate because there's times when I'm like, Drew, you need to go to bed. But he's on FaceTime with like four little friends and, mm. and it's the time that they're talking. And I'm like, okay, we're going, we're just, we're going to let this happen. We're not going to go to bed way later, but I'll give you 30 more minutes. <laughs> you know what sure, I mean? So sure. it's hard to navigate, but that is so important because you're right. We have had to change what, how kids feel connected, right? It's now social media. It's now using FaceTime. It just looks very different instead of those like in-person interactions. So, right. yeah. <laughs> and video games as well. I know a lot of kids bond and there's a lot of benefits to video games. Yeah. It's fun. It takes away the pressure that sports bring sometimes. It's a way to communicate and have fun and relax. But I think a lot of this social media and video game piece has to do with the parents being able to monitor it and sticking to that structure and routine if some of these privileges are broken. But I love that. You gave them an extra 30 yeah. minutes. To have boundaries on that. There's been so many moms that have told me, like, I, like, they hate to admit it, but they're so thankful for video games because their child can chat with their friends from school mm. and they're having that engagement. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's been... Right. A lot of people are finding that. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tip number two, being able to join forces with other parents. So again, you can organize a virtual or in-person activity, which has the added bonus of providing social interaction for your child. Collaborating with other parents may help you feel less isolated as well. So again, examples can include a homework group, a baking group, Maybe you can switch off with other moms or dads weekly. You can do a fun activity with everyone to get involved. Bike ride to a new destination. Have a play date in the house while you work. Create a scavenger hunt as a parent and have them go through the house looking for things or outside. There's all kinds of fun things that you can hopefully and creatively yourself as a parent come up with. All right, number three social activity ideas. So I've just come up with a few little things here that can be helpful. Being able to encourage kids to write letters to relatives or friends. This kind of gets away from that social media piece but enables the child or teen to still communicate. Visit with animals outside, take care of their pet, taking on that responsibility. And that's also a wonderful grounding technique for kids. Taking care of a plant or planting a tree together. If you have multiple children, really encourage that sibling fun and sibling interaction. Reading books and being able to identify with the protagonist characters can make an only child or kids with limited social interaction feel less alone. This can also help them learn valuable life lessons as well from the stories. Spend time with your child and teen and think of how to help others outside of themselves. Volunteer. I love this. That's awesome. Oh, I, no, love I love it. this one. <laughs> Volunteer opportunities, right? So instead of that screen time all the time or listening to your kid voice their boredoms, give them opportunities. This is a great time to let them know, hey, 
create a gift basket for a sick neighbor down the street. Make a recording of a song from your clarinet or saxophone that you play. Um, send a positive message or picture, draw something out. Send to your grandparents or the elderly at a nearby nursing home. Think about all the creativity that they can create and perform with their musical instruments, with their athletics, with their artwork, with their baking, with their talents. Think about how they can also give and share to those in need. No, that's awesome. I love that serving piece. And sometimes as parents, we've got to be creative to, creative to see like, what does that look like, you know? But look at your own neighborhood and see, you know, what, what could you do to brighten someone's day? So, yeah. I, this has been so, so helpful, Willow. Um, our audience that are listening tonight has some questions that they would like to ask. So we're going to kind of move into our question and answer session. So you're ready for some questions, Willow? <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, okay. So, I have a question um, from a parent and, it, you know, it's kind of a little bit of like, um, you know, mine and Drew's situation in some ways, because it talks about sports and extracurricular activities. So the question is, for a talented child who sometimes prefers to like quit an activity or to cut it, um, like, uh, let's see, hold on. Uh, what do you advise parents to do regarding that? Um, so it could be sports, it could be music. Do you let the teenage child drop the activity, even though restarting could like, they could miss out later on or like it could be impossible to get back because you know, they've stopped. Or do you insist that they continue just under the assumption that uh, like it would be helpful for their self-esteem or they would benefit from, you know, continuing with this sport or with this, you know, um, new skill that they're learning. Um, and that, you know, eventually they will get kind of over this, like the fact that they want to quit because we know that it's kind of a crazy time period that they'll kind of get over that. So, so essentially, do you let a child quit or do we say, come on, like push through? <laughs> right, right. So I think this is a big one and it's a difficult decision to make, but I think it's a decision that you and your teen probably need to make together because every, every scenario is so different. And I know there's so many kids and teens out there that have so many wonderful talents. And I think I first want to highlight the importance of athleticism in general. It sounds like this might be around a sport, maybe a musical instrument. But again, I think what this is helpful for, I'm a huge advocate of movement and creativity, right? And there's so many benefits. So, you know, they can learn leadership, teamwork. It prevents from, again, this boredom, isolation, stress. It gets them moving. It gets them their body moving, physical activity, accountability and responsibility. It gives them a sense of discipline, competitiveness. And it gives them a chance, again, to have fun and be social. So there's just so many benefits. It's hard for me, and I'm, I'm sure you as a parent are thinking, they can't quit. There's no, there's no reason. There, this doesn't make sense. There's too many benefits. And I completely agree. <laughs> but I think this is when you get to check in with your kid and talk to them about it and see where they're coming from. What are their thoughts? What are their feelings? How is their body feeling? So I think it's first of those like those open lines of communication are so important because so important. I think there's no just one answer for something like this, that every right. child is different. Every family's different. And I would assume like if the sport or if the, you know, like instrument they're learning or art class or whatever it may be is causing anxiety is causing like them to have all these really big feelings. Maybe it's not worth it, but if it's something where they're just like, ah, I just kind of want to take it easy, you know, then that's a different story than, you know, anxiety, like related symptoms, I would assume, you know? <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. So what they can do easily, these are just a few quick, you know, things that they can check in when they do make that exploration and have that talk. Um, just paying attention to that anxiety and their feelings of exhaustion or being overwhelmed, seeing if they have too much pre pressure and if those symptoms are really taking precedent they're not going to be able to form well. They're not going to have fun. It's yeah. not going to mean the same thing for them if they're burnt out. So checking in to see around those anxiety and depressive symptoms of, of burnout in a way. So 
the why matters so much. Like, why would they want to cut? Why would they want to stop something? Yeah. <laughs> right. right. I think also, I'm never an advocate of quitting, but checking in with them, right? Who picked the sport? Was it mom and dad or was it the kid in the first place? Did they want to try a different sport or is it more of the burnout? Yeah, yeah, no, helpful. I think also checking in, was there a specific incident or issue that may have happened at practice or the last game or at school? Maybe something happened. And we don't even know, like as a parent, if we don't ask, if we don't have that communication, and then it could not be about stopping. It could just be about that incident. That's true. Yeah. Sure. I think also as they progress checking in, if they had a growth spurt, are they feeling more uncoordinated? Or if they, you know, are very social and their friend quit and now they don't want to do it anymore, checking in with their friends' families or maybe they're being bullied on the team, you know, there might be some social issues coming up that they might not want to pursue this because their friend joined the other sport as well. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's so helpful. Well, thank you. Right. All right. So for our next question, um, we're going to talk about kids that just kind of struggle with attention, that they might have an ADHD diagnosis, or they have a problem focusing, or maybe some overstimulation. So what are some strategies to help young kids like this with the amount of time that they're going to be spending behind a screen? Because that certainly is overstimulating. How would you advise a parent um, to just kind of coaching techniques for them or tips or tricks for parents that have children that perhaps have an ADHD diagnosis or just those symptoms? Sure. I think this is already so, so complicated with kids who aren't struggling with ADHD on paying attention and not experiencing that difficulty concentrating when they're on this screen and trying to learn. So this is a big one and I feel for you, but I do have some tips and I think this will be really awesome. helpful for you. Um, so the first one is with ADHD and, and kids in general, right? You always want to be able to give them a lot of praise and encouragement. So if they're doing something right, or if they're struggling, but they're still trying, give them that praise. They, they really need that. Let them know, Hey, you're, you're doing awesome. I'm super impressed with you right now. If they start acting up, <laughs> ignore those mild misbehaviors. You don't want to feed into the misbehaviors. You want to be able to reduce those. And if that starts happening more and more often, right, this is where the discipline and rewards come in. I think it's important to be able to give them quiet time or a break. Sometimes they need to just settle down a bit if they're misbehaving. And you don't want to give into that attention-seeking behavior. So giving them a quiet place, letting them sit down, relax, fidget away, doing whatever they need to do, ex you know, exercising, stretching it out, doing some jumping jacks, whatever they need to be doing. But you need to give them a chance to, hey, step away, take a break, have some quiet time in your quiet place, make sure it's set up nice, whether that's in their room or somewhere else, so that they can come back and get going again but you don't want to feed into those behaviors if it's attention seeking. Well, cause sometimes kids, they don't know the difference between positive attention and negative attention and they just want attention. <laughs> and right. so we'll see some of those negative behaviors come out. Absolutely. That's a great tip. Yeah. Right. I think the other big one there is sure. You can only ignore misbehavior for so long. If they're acting up, you want to, again, those tasks, get them going with that structure. But if it becomes overwhelming, so as an example, if they're, if they're playing, if they're doing all this stuff and really misbehaving, let them know there's going to be natural consequences. So if they refuse to eat lunch because they ate all these snacks earlier, or if they want to keep playing and, and not do this assignment, it's time for math period, right? If they don't want to do that, give them natural consequences. So if they don't eat lunch or if they don't want to come to the table, put the food away and the natural consequences you have to wait till your evening snack. You're not going to get stuff in the middle or you have to wait till dinner. So allowing that to happen with some of those, those bigger misbehaviors. Well, I thought one thing that you said is particularly helpful for me as a mom, that when there are just mild things, like mild behaviors, 
to, to kind of like choose your battles. You didn't say those words, but essentially pick your battles. Like if your kid is bouncing and they're still listening, let them bounce <laughs> because that might be what they need for the day. But if it gets to a point where you have to correct, um, you know, to have a natural consequence, no, it's really good rule. Right. Um, I know for myself, my Drew needs a lot of breaks. And so you were talking about in the schedule, when we talk about like schedule and routine to, to have some creativity. And so I know just for myself that that's going to be important for our family to kind of have a plan for his breaks. Like, and it could even be as easy as go outside or during 15 minutes when you are between zoom calls, go outside and play basketball because that will help him. That activity will help him. So I yes, am like yes. trying to think ahead. Like, what is it sure. that we can do? That's just a little creative for Drew. Yeah. Right. So. And with ADHD, right. You don't want to say, Hey, go, go put on your socks and make your bed and put your laundry away and go take a break and use the restroom and come back. What? That's too much. Um, they might get one. They might have one sock on by the time. If you're, they're, you if know. you're lucky, right? <laughs> Tell them one thing. I love one that. Time. Hey, yeah. go play basketball for 15 minutes and then come back and we'll continue with reading. Yep. Mm -hmm. So no, yeah. Like to, to try to set your expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have learned that early on. I cannot give Drew three things. They will not happen. You guys one at a time. You're very yeah. aware. Well, I don't know. We have, uh, we have come a long way. Yeah. With Drew. So it's been, it's been a Scott at work in his life. So that's been awesome. Sure, sure. So our next question is about, um, children who are in milestone years. So it could be, um, a teenager that is starting high school or that middle schooler they're starting, you know, middle school time or even like kindergartners, like it's the first day of real school. It's awesome. Like, do you have any tips or any um, ways that we can still celebrate these things, celebrate mm. these milestones so that they don't feel like they've lost out or they've missed some things? And mm. this is like near and dear to my heart. I think, I think a lot about this. <laughs> right, so. right. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad this was brought up. I was thinking one, when I think about milestone years, being aware there also might be some regression. Again, we don't want to put too much expectation, right? If you're starting freshman year of high school or if you're beginning this, that's also a lot of pressure that they're probably feeling already and you might be experiencing well. So just being a little bit patient with them and talking to them about it. But I'm so glad that you mentioned celebration. Again, you want to be able to celebrate the milestone as well without putting too much expectation on them. So this is where that creativity really comes into play when COVID's all around us and they're not really able to go to their first day of kindergarten, they're not able to go do this, make it what you can and ask them what they want. Get their Ooh, feedback. Oh, I like that. Ask them what they want. <laughs> ask them what they yeah. want. Sit down and say, hey, you know, share your excitement with them. Again, we don't want it to be, you know, too much pressure, but we want to say, I am so excited and proud of you. What should we do? Let's work on this together. Again, it could be a mommy and me thing or a dad and son thing or, you know, the whole family's involved, but see what they want to do to celebrate. Again, it's play, fun, celebration, whatever that looks like. So playing to their strengths as well. So if they like the artwork, do something related to art. If they love being outside with dogs, go go to the dog park and watch all the dogs and do something later and make a dog cake who knows what that could be it could be anything and everything but ask them what they want and play to their strengths with some of these celebratory milestones that's great and we actually have a podcast um coming up in the next couple of weeks you can check out our social media where you can hear um more information about how to just celebrate um these you know, during this time. And so be looking for our podcast. Great. So about those milestone years. So what if a child just um, has really big feelings about missing out or about loss? How does a, a parent kind of help the kid process the, the missing out or the loss during those milestone times? Yeah, yeah. I think that's where some of that empathy comes into play. Sitting down with them and I almost love the concept of, of letting go, right? This needs to be processed, these feelings of, of loss, of grief, of sadness, of hurt, of disappointment. 
you want to be able to work with them so that they can voice what they're feeling. Because again, right, they might not know what they're feeling, why they're feeling so bad, because they have lost, they have missed out. So again, before we do that celebratory stuff, we want to be able to sit down and identify those feelings, whatever they might be. It might be some of that guilt and disappointment and loss, but then how can we actually process and let that go? I always love the concept of, right, you, you let the balloon go and it floats into the air, but how can you do that naturally with nature, right? Maybe it's writing markers on strips of leaves and letting go those feelings, or maybe it's tossing rocks into a nearby stream and you know, watching feathers float down or, you know, how can you actually physically let go? So you can do that with nature or you can do that with creating a Play-Doh sculpture of, of what they lost and then they get to, you know, leave it there. It could be so many different things that they can, you know, here's my loss cherry pie that I just made and now we're going to eat it and let go. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's helpful. That's helpful. So mm-hmm. uh, there's so many, like, sometimes when you can do an object lesson with your child, like you were talking about where it's the leaves or it's the balloon or something like that. So when you have those like visuals to like support what you're trying to accomplish, it seems so helpful for kids. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Super fun. It makes it fun too. It doesn't all have to be sad again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, my boys are not in like milestone years um, necessarily. Drew is in his second year of middle school and Nathan's going to be a junior, but I'll tell you something, parents. I still plan on taking those like first day of school pictures that I make my boys take every year. And we usually um, have an ice cream party at the bus. And so it might not look like that, but we're totally having ice cream after the first day of school. So (laughs) I'm still planning to do those things that are quote unquote normal, like celebrations. So yeah. (laughs) And traditions, celebrate those traditions Traditions, and memories. Exactly. So, So our next question is, do you have any tips for, um, not getting overwhelmed for working parents. So many of us um, listening and, and, you know, even me, myself and my staff, we're all working mamas and dads. And so, um, you know, if you have elementary kids, if you have high schoolers, like this could be a very easily way to be overwhelmed. And Marianne can dig into this a little bit more next week, Mm -hmm. but what are your thoughts? Do you have any ideas for working parents of just trying not to be overwhelmed? (laughs) For the parent to not be overwhelmed. For the parents, yeah. Because, you know, like even simple things such as keeping a schedule or getting some time for like us personally to exercise or to have the kids get their chores done or even just go like cook dinner instead of like eating fast food. Like sometimes those things are so Mm -hmm. overwhelming when you add that you have to be the facilitator of learning as well for your child. So yeah. So when you're feeling overwhelmed and burnt out, it's kind of like that question that we talked about earlier with, does the kid need to drop the sport? Are they able to perform, Mm -hmm. right? So if the parent is feeling overwhelmed all day with work, this is a great example of all or nothing. All or nothing thinking, all or nothing behavior. This is one of my favorite, but least favorite concepts because so many people suffer from this with work and stress of life. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're probably a little bit burnt out and something needs to be taken off your plate. And you probably need to insert something positive into your life, something fun, play, positive, celebratory, and take away something that's stressful or work-oriented because you've probably neglected some of your needs and what your body needs, what your feelings need. So working all day and giving everything to the kids, you're stressed out. Of course, finances take precedent. Of course, work takes precedent, but we always put aside play. We always put aside date nights with our relationship and with our partner. That's fun. We always put aside physical activity and exercise. We always put aside self-care and the relaxation and a sense of peace. So whatever you can do to take a break throughout the day, go on a 10-minute walk, have a delicious snack, Go to the grocery store like some of my moms and get flowers for yourself to enjoy with your tea in the morning. 
set aside an hour every night to chat with your partner and make it fun. Don't talk about work. Don't talk about the kids. Talk about things you want to enjoy or places you might want to travel to in the future. Set aside time for fun and play and relaxation. And again, you're feeling overwhelmed because you might be burnt out. It's that all or nothing you're doing all, 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 all to the point you can't do anything else. And now you're just exhausted and depressed or anxious. So you got to get back to the middle of that balance somewhere. So I'll tell you a kind of a secret of mine. And if you're a friend, you know this about me, but I am a very visual person. And so when I don't have, I write on my calendar, I have like a physical calendar on my refrigerator, but I also have a calendar on my phone and I write things that are fun in pink and I call <gasps> them my pink days. And I can look at my calendar for a month. And if I don't have enough pink, I know it's not going to be good for me. <laughs> and so pink can be anything. It could just be, it could be like self-care, such as a manicure, a pedicure, or a massage. Yep. But pink could also just be simple as coffee with a friend. And that's, you know, there, it, it's really nice to have that visual of like, okay, I've gone like three weeks in a row and I've not done anything pink. I've not done anything for myself that feels fun or feels refreshing. And so I know that's my little pimp. I have pink days. <laughs> I love that. Continue on with your pink days. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It works for me. I think like parents have to figure out what works for them because I almost have to schedule that time for myself, schedule that fun, schedule. And I loved what you said about the all or nothing attitude. I've not really looked at this through that lens before, but you know, you don't have to be the, you know, do it all yourself. Like it could be all right, maybe during the season, it, you know, if finance is allowed, maybe we're going to hire someone to clean the house and maybe just something simple, like a change mm -hmm. like that might just help de-stress the situation. And it could only be a season, like if that's something that you're able to do, or you institute something where, okay, two times a week, we are going to eat out or two times a week, the kids are cooking dinner, like, and whatever it may be, it may be, you know, <laughs> and right. it doesn't have to be like, you know, it could be very simple, but making some changes like that could take the pressure off the parent, right? If you say, right. it's- And this does not mean yeah. you're a failure. No, no. You can't do the impossible. <laughs> Your expectation was way yeah. too high and impossible. Bring it down. Bring it down, yeah. And like, there might have to be some changes that are made during the yeah. season, you know? And they can, and be creative with those changes, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. But anyway, so our time is kind of coming to a close. Will, it's been an hour already. We've talked for an hour. This is awesome. It went so fast. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. was so fun. Thanks yeah. for including me. Oh my goodness. Thanks for coming and being part of our conversation. So for everyone listening, um, if you would like to hear this webinar again, or if you would like to share it with a friend, check out our social media pages. On Instagram, you'll be able to find the recording of tonight's discussion in the link in the bio. And for Facebook, we'll, you'll be able to find a post and you can just click on the link in that post. Give us a couple days to get it up, but we'll have the recording for you and you can share it or listen again. Um, we're just hoping that this can be helpful to as many people as possible. Um, and like we talked about next week, we're gonna be um, talking with Marianne Code. And Marianne is another licensed um, family counselor and tonight, you know, we focus on talking about our children and talking about anxiety and depressive kind of um, symptoms in our kids. But next week, we're going to be talking about parents. Yes, you parents. <laughs> and we're going to be discussing strategies to care for your own anxious heart and just the best way to create peace, peaceful rhythms in your own home. So if you're interested in that webinar, we'd love to have you join us again next week. And you can go to fairfax.cc slash events to register for that. And, you know, we'll, we'll thank you so much. Like, it has been just a delight to get to know you. It's been just a great discussion we've had tonight. It's been so helpful. So just thank you again, my friend. Um, but I know both of us just kind of wanted to share one last thing with our families. And that is, you know, tonight we spoke in general terms about anxiety and about maybe depressive symptoms. However, if you're listening to this and you feel like your child would benefit from talking to a professional counselor, um, don't delay. There are so many qualified counselors in the Fair, Fairfax Lake County area 
who specialize in working with children and teens, including Willow herself. She would love to talk with you and your kid. If that is something that would be a blessing to you guys. And so if that is you, if you're listening, you're thinking maybe my child would benefit from this. Um, you can email us at fairfaxkids at fairfax.cc. Give us a few days to respond, but we will be happy to provide you with some references of some good counselors, and we'll even give you Willow's information of her counseling practice, um, but we would love to do whatever we can to get you connected up if that is you out there, so don't delay. <laughs> but Willow, again, um, we just really appreciate you. Thank you for your time tonight, and it's time to say goodbye. Thank yes, you for listening, thank everyone. you for having me. This bye. hour went really fast. Yeah, bye, guys. See you. Yeah. <laughs> bye.